Good evening. Praise the Lord. How many of you enjoyed this morning's service? How many of you are expecting something this evening as well? Amen. Because if, you, if you're not expecting, you might as well not be here. Because the Lord said to come expecting and he will move. He will do great things. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this evening. We're going to open with a word of prayer this evening as we begin our service. Let's just one more time. I know Thanksgiving's over and I keep it, but how, how can we not give thanks to God for the great things that he does for us continually? Even this morning, I know there was answers to prayer down here. Let's just give God glory for what he's doing. Amen. Father, we love you this evening. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for everything that you did this morning. God, the lives that were touched. Lord, we had one rededicate our life back to you. Lord, we had others that prayed for healing. Lord, we had those pray for deliverance. And we know that, God, you sent the answer as soon as we asked because your word said that if we ask, we shall receive. And, Lord, we stand on that promise. And, Lord, tonight we expect another great blessing. We expect more from you tonight, Lord, because you love us so much. God, you've never failed us. You've never let us down. We love you tonight, Lord. We just invite your presence to come. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in this place to stir within us and touch lives. Lord, we expect a move because you've never failed us before. We love you tonight, and we praise you in the name of Jesus.
Jesus. It's good to have fun in the house of God. Father, we just thank you tonight for the freedom that we have to worship you, Father, and to praise your holy name, God. Father, we just, we just ask that you would just have your way in this service, God, as we lift your praises. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come, let it live in me. This is my prayer, this is my plea. Let's sing it again. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. Standing on your side, holding your hand, let your kingdom come, let it live in me. This is my prayer, this is my plea. Let the worshipers arise, let the sons and the daughters see. Yes, God, I'm surrendering. King would die 
listen to the words that come out of our mouth, not because they're the lyrics of the song, but because everybody fits into this category of what these words are saying. And there's no way to thank Him, God, but tonight we just want to thank You, God, for Your sacrifice on the cross for us, Father. We thank You tonight, God, that because of that we can call You our King, Father. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Listen to the words as they come out of your mouth. Time forgiven because you were forsaken. And time accepted, you were condemned. And time alive and well, your spirit is within me because you. says no greater love with any man showed than to lay down his life for his friends or sometimes in our case we weren't even friends of God and he gave his life for us amen let's just take a second let's thank him for that love 
God, we love you for that love. That love that, that caused you to send your son to die for us, to give us his life. You gave up your only son that we can have life because you love us. God, your word says, for you so loved us. That amazing love, that amazing grace, that, that grace that we don't deserve, that we can't earn. But you give it to us, Lord, just because that's who you are. We love you this evening. Lord, we just praise you this evening because of that love. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that amazing love? Man, I mean, what greater thing could we ever expect to, to, to receive than love? And he gave love so great for us. Amen. Why don't we give him a hand clap to praise this evening? Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. If our ushers will come, we'll take up our evening tithes and offering at this time. Amen. Do it. All right. Alan, would you pray over the offering this evening? tempted I was to sing right then. When he went back through it again, I thought, here's my chance. I didn't know the words, though. She didn't put the words up. Oh, well, that's all right. How many of you enjoyed this morning's message? How many of you got to meet uh, Pastor Dave and his family this morning? They got some cute little kids. I I'm not going to try to say their names. I, I don't know if I'd I can remember him correctly, but if you didn't get a chance to shake his hand in this morning, get with him tonight. Uh, we will have a time of question and answer, so you'll get to know him a little bit more. We spend a little time after service tonight, and you can get to know him a little bit more. But uh, Pastor Dave, come uh, just to run through. He'll be here tonight, Wednesday night, next Sunday morning, and evening as well. So if you know somebody that was, is not able to be here today, make sure you let them know to come next this Wednesday and then next week as well. But uh, have your way. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? This evening. Oh, man, you got me. I knew it. I knew you'd get me. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited to be here again. And I have to tell you, you have no idea how blessed you are with your praise and worship in this place. 
I want you to know that. I can tell you I've had the opportunity to speak in many places, and you guys have amazing praise and worship. And this is how I know that. Are you ready for this? It's only happened a couple times in my ministry career when my wife leans over to me and says, I'm good, I can go home now, before the message starts. <laughs> when she says, you know, I got what I needed for tonight, I could just go home. But honey, I'm speaking. Eh. I hear you all the time, but I'm good to go. So praise the Lord. That's how I know that you have good praise and worship here. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer this evening. So join with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for miracle after miracle after miracle in this place. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your leading, for your utterance, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that we can move in power because Jesus paid the price for us. We can walk in the authority that you've given us because Jesus paid the price. And so, Lord, we just ask right now that you just begin to move in this place. Move in this place. Move in this place. Stay with me for just a moment because the Spirit wants to move and I can tell. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He said you came tonight and you needed a miracle. You came tonight and you said, this is my last hope, but I'm going to show up because that's what I should do. And he said, I see you. He said, don't think for one moment, <laughs> yes, Lord. He said, don't think for one moment, I don't see and I don't know what you need. And he said, I'm getting ready to move on your behalf. He said, I'm getting ready to move on your behalf. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Stay with me. He said, I'm getting ready to move on your behalf. And he said, something's about to lift and something's about to shift and you're about to see my goodness move in your life. And it's going to be poured out all over you and all over your children and your grandchildren and they're going to see my goodness, he said. When you believe and put your faith and trust in me. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I don't know who needed that, but receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. I praise you got, I, I trust you got something out of this morning service. I don't know if you did, but I did. I went home praising the Lord. I was excited because victory's in the house. Victory's in my house. It's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I declare victory in my house, victory over my children, victory over my finances. I declare victory because it's already been paid for. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So tonight we're going to talk about speaking to giants. That'd be the title of my message. If I was going to give you a title tonight, it would be Speaking to Giants. How many of you here today would say you're facing a battle? You're facing a giant. We talked a little bit about this this morning, and we touched a little bit. And we're going to continue on on the same story, the same, the same message, really, that we started this morning. But the Lord really put this on my heart that many of us are facing giants. But what do we do with that giant? What are we doing against that giant? What are we saying to that giant? And he said, so, so he told me to ask you, how many of you are facing giants tonight? How many of you are in a battle? Now I'm going to try to do my best tonight. The Lord put it on my heart tonight to do a little more teaching than preaching, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see what the Lord wants to do. But I really want to talk to you about facing giants, speaking to your giants. But the first thing we need to understand is that we are in a battle. A lot of us don't understand. We come, into the, we come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We come into his saving knowledge. We get taught about that. We get put on fire. We're excited about the things of God. But no one ever tells us that when we leave the church that day, battle's going to come. Because the enemy isn't happy with your decision. He isn't happy that you've decided to follow Christ. He's not going to say, well, you're good to go now. I'll leave you alone. See, I had this thought when I went to Bible college, now get this, I went to Bible school and I said, I know when I graduate and I can put that diploma on the wall, the devil will never bother me again. And man, I tell you, I just thought it's going to be so great. It's going to be such a wonderful life. And I'll tell you what, he has doubled his time against me this time. But you know what? If the enemy's coming against me, that means something good's happening. That means God's moving. That means we're doing something right. And so I rise up and say, devil, I, I take it. You just come on and bring it because I know that victory has already been won. I'm in the middle of the battle. So go to Ephesians chapter 6. You might have come in a battle today, but you're going to walk out shouting victory. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 10 when you get there. I love to read this passage. He says these words in verse 10. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I've read that passage hundreds of times. And that passage stirs me up. But one time I was sitting in my office and I was reading that passage and I read it. And the Lord said to me in my spirit, read it again. I said, Lord, I know what it says. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He said, read it again. I said, I got it. I, I can quote it to you. I don't even need to look. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I know what it says. He said, read it again. And all of a sudden, like a light bulb shot off inside of me, and I said, wait a minute, it says in the power of his might. You see, I'd been fighting a battle, and I'd been going through a battle, and I don't normally share this a lot, but I will share it, you know, with you because I, I think it's important to know. But I faced a battle, and my wife will tell you it was a battle that was a struggle for many years, and it was called the battle of fear and anxiety. And people will say, oh, that battle, oh, it doesn't really exist. No, it's real. It's very real, and fear and anxiety will cripple you to the point that I couldn't leave the house, that I couldn't get off the floor, that I wouldn't answer the phone, that I didn't want to turn on the lights. I just wanted to be stuck in my house alone. And when you get into that place of fear and anxiety, it leads to a place of depression. And so I found myself in this battle, and it was a reoccurring fight, and I would say, no, no, I know I got victory, I know I got victory, but it was a continual battle. It became my giant. It became what I saw. It consumed me. It became a way of life for me. And so I had to get into the word. And when I realized it says, be strong in the power of his might, I realized for so long I'd been fighting the battle under my own power. I'd been doing what I could do. I'd been fighting the way I could fight. And I'd get tired. I'd become exhausted. I'd go into further depression. I can't figure out why I can't defeat this. Why am I battling this? And I would just be exhausted. And then he said, read it again. So I read it again. And it says, in the power of his might. Man, that shot off inside of me. It's not about my strength. It's not about my power. It's about the one I serve. It's about the greater one inside of me. You see, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so I can stand up and say, it's not about my strength. It's not about my power. It's about the God I serve. And when I began to realize that I could stand in him and stand in his word and I could face that giant, that mountain began to move. Because it wasn't about my power. It wasn't about what I had to offer. It was about him. And if you allow the Lord to fight your battle, you'll win every time. But when you decide to pick up your own tools and try to do your own thing, don't be surprised when you get worn out. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Come on now, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. How many of you got up this morning and said, Lord, I'm putting on my armor? Every morning when I wake up, I say, Lord, I'm putting on my armor. I'm not going to walk out of my house. I'm not going to walk out of my bedroom. I'm not going to walk out of my place where I live without the armor of God. on. Because the world we live in, you better have some armor on. You better know who you are in Christ. You better walk and talk who you are in Christ. And you better be serious about it. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not, hear this, sign it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you have to do in your Bible. If you have a Bible that's here today and you say, I can't write in it, throw it away and get one that you can write in because you need to have this stuff underlined. You need to be able to go back to it and say, I know what it says. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Why do I tell you that? Because there's too many of us believers that are trying to fight a physical battle in a spiritual war. And when you come at it in a, spirit, in a physical way, in a spiritual battle, you're not only going to lose, but you're going to get whooped. Come on now, listen to me. How many of you remember the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts? And what did they do? They came against that and they said, we rise up against the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not whom I knew, not who I had a relationship with, but I heard him say it. So I'm going to try to use the name, even though I don't know what kind of power it has. And it says the enemy rose up, whooped them and sent them out of the house naked. Come on now, we have too many Christians today running around beat up and naked when we should be walking in victory, in victory the way it's been purchased. He said, it's time to rise up in your whole armor. He said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. 
when I don't know what else to do, when I don't know what else to say, I'm going to cry out the name of Jesus and I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand and I'm going to say, devil, I don't care what you bring against me. I don't care what comes my way because I know who I am in Christ. And I know what he's done for me and I'm going to stand and I'm going to watch as God fights my battle. He said, having girded your waist with truth. You ever thought about that? What does it mean girded your waist with truth? If we put it into 2022 language, we would say, heaven, put on a belt. Heaven, put on a belt, the belt of truth. You ever think about why the belt is the belt of truth? Now, I need you to picture this. Now, usually your waist is your center line. Is that right? Yeah. Mine has changed and uh, has, has gotten lower, but usually your waist is your center line. And when you put on the belt of truth, it's the center of your life. Truth should always be the center of our life. Why do I put on the belt of truth? Because it's my life is centered on the truth of the word of God. Then he said, after you girded your waist with truth, you better put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, we, we have a, a whole philosophy in the body of Christ today, and I've heard people say it. I've heard people come into my office and want to talk about it. That's fine. We got time for that. And they say, I'm striving to be righteous. I'm trying every day to be righteous. I'm going to tell you something right now that might shake some religious belief. Are you ready for this? You will never be more righteous than you were the day you met Jesus. Because when you became born again, your sins were washed away. And the Bible says you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means I can stand in the Holy of Holies. I can go boldly to the throne room of God and I can say, God, this is my request. Why? Because I'm in right standing as though I'd never sinned. I'm not striving to be righteous. I'm living in righteousness that was purchased for me. Now, how many of you here ever go out target shooting? We got any target shooters in the house? Man, when I go out target shooting, my wife laughs at me. I got my little bag and I got my special glasses, right? We all got the special glasses. They help you see downrange. And I look through those glasses and I can see my target. And I know exactly where I'm going to hit. Well, here's what I want to tell you. When God looks down on you from heaven, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see what your sin was. He sees what Jesus did for you. You've been washed in the blood. You've been cleansed by the blood. And now you can walk in what he's done for you because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What a revelation that is. I'm not striving to be righteous. I am righteous because of what he did. I told you I was going to teach and not preach. Come on now. <laughs> he said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, that you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Yeah. What I love about this is these are all defensive tools. Every one of them is a defensive tool. Take the helmet of salvation. But then he switches into an offensive tool and it goes like this. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Man, when I get the word of God in me, I have a weapon. And no longer do I have to be on the defense. I can be on the offense and I can push the enemy back and I can gain ground for Christ because I know who I am and I know the battle is won. You're getting me excited here. So how many of you know how to use the sword? How many of you ever been in the military? I have not, but I grew up in a military house. And I can tell you there's a lot of training. I can tell you I was a firefighter for 24 years. And I can tell you there's a lot of training. You don't just show up and you don't just walk out and hope you know how to use the tools. You get into it and you train and you study it and you get it inside of you to the point that I know that I know that I know. And I, and I love the fact, I think it was I don't remember who said it, but they said, I don't train so I, so I can't. I don't train to not fail. I train so I will never fail. I don't want to train to maybe I'll do okay. I want to train to the point that I know that when I go out, I know what I'm doing. You see, in the fire service, if I don't know what I'm doing, lives are at stake. When it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the word of God, if I don't know what I'm doing, if you don't know what you're doing, it's lives at stake. And it's not only just this life, it's eternal lives at stake. And so when I rise up to fight a battle for my children and I rise up and I got to know who I am in Christ. Why? Because the battle is real. That's right. That was a long introduction, wasn't it? <laughs> Praise God. I only got about another three hours. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel 17. 
1 Samuel 17, the battle is real. The giants we face in our life are real. But none of them are as big as my God. None of them are big as my God. 1 Samuel 17, I want to take you there and I want you to see about a man who goes into battle. He wasn't trained for battle. He was a shepherd boy, a teenage boy out in, the, out in the fields watching after the sheep. But he's about to go into battle because he knew who he was. And here's what I love most about this story. His name is David. It's a great name, isn't it? I mean, come on, David is a great name, right? And so I know that if his name is David, he had to be good looking. That's part of the requirements for the name David. So I just know that he had to be this good looking guy, right? But we find David and we know that David has been anointed to be the future king. But right now he's out in the field and he's tending to his, his father's flock. His three brothers are off at battle with Saul. And, his, and his, his father Jesse says, hey, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go and take food to your brother. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to start. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. Verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together when they encamped in the valley and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between. I want to paint this picture for you. Here's a valley, here's two mountain rises, and on each side is an army. And they are getting ready for battle. You have to understand that each side is trained for battle. This isn't just people that showed up. These are trained army people who are getting ready to battle and to fight and to take the land that is before them. And a champion, verse 4, went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. Goliath. What a powerful name, right? Goliath. How many of you, when you just hear that name, go, whoo? I mean, think about it. We say, well, no, I don't feel that way. But the truth is, how many of you have gotten a report lately or gotten a bill lately and it became your Goliath? And you went, uh-oh. What do we know about Goliath? Here's what I'll tell you. Goliath stood six cubits in a span. Now, that just changed your whole world, didn't it? You go, oh, oh, well, he was six cubits in a span. That helps me out. Does anyone know how long a cubit is? How they used to measure a cubit was from the elbow to the tip of your longest finger. And they say in an average person, that's 18 inches. So they would say that a six, the cubits, excuse me, were about nine feet and span was half of that. So about nine feet, nine inches tall. Now just picture that. That doesn't maybe sound real big to you, but you have to understand I'm six two. So add three foot, four inches on top of me, three foot, seven inches on top of me. Now that's a big guy, wouldn't you say? Nine foot, nine inches tall. He's huge. And he comes out every day to mock him. How many times a day does your situation come out to mock you? How many times a day does your situation try to rise up and tell you how big it was? It says he's nine foot, nine inches tall. He has a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. 5,000 shekels is about 120 pounds. Now think of this. Here comes this man who's nine foot nine inches tall wearing a 120 pound jacket. I don't know about you, but if I have to put on a winter coat, I don't like it. If I have to wear a snow coat outside, I'm uncomfortable, I'm unhappy. But here comes this man wearing a coat that weighs 120 pounds. I want you to picture this. I want to paint it for you so you see this. You see the adversity that he was about to run into. Nine foot nine, 120 pound coat. And here's the thing. It was his fighting jacket. You say, what does that mean? It wasn't just something he wore to the club. It wasn't just something that he wore until he showed up and took it off. This is what he literally ran into battle and fought wearing. A 120 pound coat. Man, how big was he? He had to be a big guy, wouldn't you say? Let me ask you a question. How big's your giant? How big's your problem? You see, this is what they saw. The Israelites would see him come out in his size, his stature, the coat, everything around him. And they would say, there's no way we can beat him. Isn't it interesting when situations arise in our life, we get to the same point, don't we? It becomes so big to us. There's no way we can beat it. And here's the truth. There's a lot of things we're going to face that on our own, there is no way we can beat it. But I told you this morning, but God, but God, when I let God into the situation, there's nothing that can stand before me. 
You see, what happens a lot of times in our lives, you know, we keep talking about speaking to mountains, but what happens a lot of times in our lives is our mountains start off as a pebble. And we see that pebble and we say, well, that's kind of in my way. But we don't move it. We don't talk to it. We just leave it there. And the next time we come around, well, there's that pebble again, and now it's two. And now it's three. And now it's four. And we begin to build this mountain up inside of ourselves until it's an unobtainable mountain. And the truth is, it's not that big. The truth is, with God, all things are possible. But we build it up in ourselves to the point we say, there's no way that I can get through this. 120-pound coat. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, or about 15 pounds. Just the head of the spear. That doesn't include the shaft or anything else. It's about 15 pounds. Let me ask you again, how big is your giant? This is the thing I think is the most interesting. Not only does he have this spear with an iron head that weighs 15 pounds, but he has a shield bearer who goes before him. Think about this. How many of you would sign up for this job? My job is to run in front of the big guy with a shield. That's my job. Like, what do you do? I just carry his shield. Guess what? If you're carrying the big guy's shield, that means there's some bad stuff coming at you. And that's his entire job. He's a shield bearer. Goliath goes out with his sword, with his spear, all of these things. And this guy has to hold the shield and stand behind it. How many of you would sign up for that duty? I wouldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't. It's probably not a real high-ranking position. And so he has a shield bearer that goes before him and he stands and cries out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Think about this. One man is coming out before this army and saying, bring it on. Bring it on. I stand here before you. Who are you going to send out to battle me? And you have an entire trained army that runs and hides that runs and hides. Now I'm gonna be real blunt because I I want you to hear this and I want you to know this is from my heart, but here's the truth. Most of the church today is running and hiding. Most of the church today would rather just stay in the background and not have to face the battle. Most of them are just happy hiding behind the scenes and just hoping for tomorrow, just praying that we're going to make it by. But it's time that we raise up some Davids, just like we're going to raise up Caleb's. It's time we raise up some people who say, you know what? It's not about my size. It's not about my stature. It's about the greater one who lives inside of me. And I'm about to win this battle. I'm about to take down this giant and I'm about to watch it happen because God is bigger. It's time we raise up some Davids. It's time we bring up some people who say, I'm not afraid because I know who I am. And better than that, I know whose I am. When you know who you are and whose you are, the enemy's in trouble. The enemy's in trouble. Verse 14. Still with me so far? David was the youngest of the, and the other three followed Saul. So his older brothers are already in the military. David is going to go meet his brothers and bring food. That's what he's going to do. And when he gets there, I'm not going to read every verse to you because you'd, you'd get tired and say, I can read this myself. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to paraphrase it in the Dave version tonight. Here we go. So he gets there to meet his brothers. And when he gets there to meet his brothers, he finds them all hiding in fear because of this man, Goliath. And David, oh, I love this. David says, what's wrong with you guys? What are you doing hiding? Why don't we go take this guy down? He's a teenager. He's a small teenager. The Bible says he's ruddy and red, which means he's got red complexion and he's very small and he's this teenager. And here's what I want you to know about this right now. We have teenagers in the body of Christ today that we've been telling for so long they're too young to do something and that they can't do it. And it's time we take the restraints off of them and let them rise up in who God's called them to be and let them begin to take this city, take this community, take this town for what God has for it. It's time we take the shackles off of our teens and say, you know what? You can do all things in Christ. Rise up and do it. 
David comes and finds them afraid. Verse 20. No, we're going to skip all the way to verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I love the boldness of David. He stands in the middle of this army who's hiding and says, Why are you hiding? Who is this guy? Why are we not doing something about it? That's what needs to happen in the church today. We need to say, no longer am I going to hide, but I'm going to rise up. No longer am I going to be in the background. I'm going to be pushing this charge forward, and I'm going to see it happen because my community and my schools and my children and my grandchildren are worth it. No longer am I going to let them tell me what I'm supposed to believe. I'm going to believe what the Bible says, and I'm going to push forward to victory. Verse 28. Now his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, and he was anger, and it aroused against David, and he said, why do you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. Just because we plant our stake in the ground and say we are not going to move, but we are going to fight the battle, doesn't mean other people are going to be happy about it. It doesn't mean the person sitting in the pew next to you is going to be happy about it. It doesn't mean your family is going to be happy about it. It doesn't mean that they're going to support you and say, man, we're going to hold you up. How many times do we come into church and say, I'm fighting a battle, but I'm not going to waver. And the person next to us wants to tell us all the reasons we aren't going to win. Well, I'll tell you the one reason I am going to win, and his name is Jesus. And I'm not going to move by what you tell me. I'm going to be moved by what the Bible tells me. So his brother begins to say, who are you? Who do you think you are to come down here? I know this is all pride. How many of you ever stood and believed for a miracle and people say, well, you're just standing in pride? Yep. No, I'm not. I'm standing in truth. Amen. There's a big difference between standing in pride and standing in truth. Go to verse 32 now. We're going to finish this up here. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now you have a teenage boy that's just come out of the field watching sheep, and now he has been taken to the king. He's been taken to Saul, and he says to Saul, you know what, don't worry about it, I got this. Now what must he have said to all of those Israelites in the army that they thought he needed to go before the king? And what is it that he's going to say to the king that allows him to go out? And so he says to him, you know what, don't worry about it, I got this. We need to be in that place in our life. You know what, don't worry about it, I got this. So he says, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Now think about this. He's out in the field. He doesn't have a lot of, you know, modern weapons like we have today, right? And so he's out there with a slingshot and whatever else he has. And here comes a lion and a bear that are trying to attack his sheep. And he grabs a hold of it by the beard and strikes it and kills it down. And he's telling this story. What a powerful thing this is. And he said, you know what? This giant's no different. Why is that so powerful? Because we need to be in a place where we say, my God provided yesterday, he'll provide today. My God took care of that giant, he'll take care of this giant. I'm not worried about that giant because he's nothing, nothing different than the one that's already been defeated. And so he says, you know what, I don't care. I've already taken him down and this is no different. Verse 36, another one that's highlighted and underlined. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing that he has defiled the armies of the living God. Yeah. Think about what he just said. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't say this giant. He didn't say this man of war. He didn't call it something more than it needed to be called. He called it exactly what he felt. It's an uncircumcised Philistine. What does uncircumcised mean? It means no covenant. Right. He doesn't have a covenant. I have a covenant with Almighty God. He doesn't have a covenant. He's a no covenant nobody, and I'm about to take him down because I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am in God, and he's defiled the army, and he can't stand any longer. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, 
I mean, here's a king and here's this teenage boy and he has talked so much faith and he's spoken what he believes and he says, this giant is nothing different. I'm going to take him on. And the king says, then go do it. Then go do it. I love the fact that the king tries to put all this armor on him, though. Do you see that part coming up? He says, here, here's my, here's my helmet and here's my sword. And now David can't even walk because the stuff is so heavy. He says, I don't need all that. You see, what happens is we get so focused on what we have to offer, what is, what's my physical that I have to offer, we miss on what's really happening, which is the power of his might. Amen. And so he said, I don't need all that stuff. And he goes and he grabs himself a few rocks. Listen, this teenage boy is about to bring some rocks to a sword fight. I mean, that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? I mean, what they must have thought to watch him pick up a few rocks and put them in his pocket and say, I'm about to go take down this giant. They must have thought, this guy is never coming back. Man, it, it'd be fun to watch, I guess, but it's not going to happen. What they must have thought, but he wasn't moved by what they thought. He was moved by what he knew. And those lion and the bear were no different than the giant stands before him now. Shh. Here we go. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. First Samuel 17, 41 through 46. We're going to finish with this. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. Here goes that guy again running with the shield. Woo, I don't like my job. <laughs> man, I need to get a new one. So he goes running with him with the shield. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. I told you he was good looking. It's in the Bible. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. Many of us would already be in fear and trembling at this point. Here stands this giant in front of us, nine foot nine, broad as a house, carrying a 120 pound coat. And he looked at us and says, I'm about to give your flesh to the birds. Guess what? We face a real enemy. And on a daily basis, he's trying to tell you the same thing, that you're defeated, that you'll never amount to anything, that you'll never be anything, that you're not going to go anywhere. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never get healed. You'll never get set free. You'll never get delivered. He loves to whisper those lies in your ear. And as long as you allow him to do it, he has victory. But when you rise up in who you are and say, that's not true because I've been bought with a price. I've been set apart. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I'm not going under. I'm going over because I have victory in Jesus. When you begin to speak to that, that giant, it has to hush. And so this giant is trying to raise himself up. Get ready. I'm about to take you out. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And what does he do? Think about this now. They're getting ready for battle. He grabs that stone puts it in that sling and begins to spin it. What the giant must have thought. He's got a slingshot. He's got, but what did he do when he was in the field? When you're out in the field watching sheep, you don't have a lot of stuff to do. He probably sat there and target practice with that thing every day until he got it down. And all of a sudden he says, I know my weapon and I know my weapon too. I can tell you my weapon is the word of God and I know how to throw it and I know how to use it. But he said, I knew my weapon and he dug down deep, put it in the sling and he began to spin it and he began to spin it. Some of y'all need to start spinning your weapons right now. Some of y'all need to start spinning because God's about to move. And he says, I'm going to spin it and spin it and spin it. And I released it at the right moment and the right time and that rock sank into that giant's head. And the Bible says the giant came down. The giant came down. Guess what's about to happen tonight? Your giants are about to come down. Your lives are about to change. You're about to say something different. Why? Because you can rise up in the truth of the word and say, I know who I am. I know that I have a sword and I know that I'm going into battle under his might and not my own. 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, and I'll wrap it up with prayer after this. It says these words, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I'm going to say that again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, for the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The truth is, 
Many of us are being defeated because of that last verse I just read you. Bring every thought into captivity. And most of us are letting our thoughts run wild. Letting our thoughts run wild. But when you bring those thoughts into captivity, I used to love what Brother Hagin used to say. He used to say these words all the time. He'd say, thoughts are going to come just like birds are going to fly over your head. But you don't have to let them nest in your hair. What does that mean? That means you're going to have thoughts. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have things that rise up. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, you kick it out and say, you're not making a house in my home today because I know who I am in Christ and I'm going to walk in that today. I'm not going to allow these thoughts to run wild and I'm not going to let my thoughts to rule me. I'm going to let the word of God rule my life. The giant came down. So let me ask you this before we go to prayer. My question for you tonight is, what are you saying to your giant? What are you speaking to your giant? Are you saying, giant, you're so big. You're so strong. Everything about you is just overwhelming. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or are you saying you're nothing more than a lion and a bear? And they've already been taken down and you're going down too. What is it today you're speaking to your giant? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. And I want you to be real tonight, and I want you to open up to the Lord. If there's a giant in your life, if there's something you're facing right now, God's ready to fight that battle for you. But sometimes in order for God to fight the battle for us, we have to give up control. Say, that was a good word. Sometimes if we want the battle to be fought, we have to give up control. So, Lord, I give this battle to you today. Lord, I give this giant to you today. And I know that I am victorious because the greater one lives in me. I know that you will fight my battle. I know that I can stay strong and remain strong in your strength, in your might, in your power. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Somebody right now just said, how do I stay strong in his might? You continue to build your faith in the word of God. And the more you feed your soul with the word of God, the more your strength will grow in him. So, Lord, I come to you right now all over this place. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, you know the battle. You know what they're facing. You know the giant ahead. But, Lord, we come against that giant right now in the name of Jesus. We tell that giant to come down. We tell that wall to come down. We tell that mountain to be moved because we know who we are in Christ. And Lord, I thank you today that we can stand boldly and stand and walk in victory because the battle's already been won. Praise you, Lord. 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 Lord. I just want to stay in an atmosphere of praise for just a moment because I feel it in my spirit that God is moving in this place tonight. I feel like he wants to touch hearts and change lives. Praise you, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He said, you may have come defeated, but you're leaving victorious. You may have come worn out, but I'm about to renew your strength. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Right now in this place, if you say, I'm fighting a giant, I'm fighting a battle, and I just need somebody to pray with me, I'm going to stand here for just a moment. I want you to come forward that I can pray with you, that I can stand in agreement with you, that the giant has to go, that the mountain has to move. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. People say, well, why do you have people come up front? Because in the middle of the battle, when they walk up front, they're walking in faith. 
They're walking in faith and they're declaring, I'm coming to get what God has for me. So we're going to pray in just a moment. And we're going to stand in faith with each and every person that's here right now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We speak victory in the name of Jesus. We come against every lie in the name of Jesus and we declare victory. We declare healing. We declare peace and joy. And we tell every giant to come down in the precious name of Jesus. Every mountain has to move and we will declare your goodness till we see it come to pass. In Jesus' name. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. For I've seen your faithfulness. For you've stood on the word. And I'm about to bring change to your situation. He said, don't waver, don't grow weary. He said, put your trust and faith in me. And your situation is about to turn and you're about to see my goodness in your home. You're about to see my goodness everywhere you go. He said, get ready because it's coming to your house. <laughs> praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just stay in an atmosphere of praise. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you got a situation, it's not too late to be prayed for. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I see that. I see that. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. He said, for too long, you've tried to fight the battle on your own. He said, for too long, you've tried to be strong and you've tried to push through. But he said, today, lean on me. Today, put your faith in me. Today, put your trust in me. And when you lean on me and put your faith in me, I'm going to change that situation. I'm going to bring peace to that situation. I'm going to bring restoration to that situation. He said, it's coming when you lean on me and stop trying to do it on your own. He said, let me be God in your life and I'll change the situation. <laughs> yes, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've come forth in faith looking for a miracle. Yes, Lord, I see it. I see it. You have a situation that for too long has been hindering you. And you've always felt like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get past it. I don't know how I'm ever going to make it. But he said, I'll tell you how, because Jesus already paid the price. He said, get ready because I'm going to move in your life. I'm going to move that mountain and I'm going to change that situation. He said, and I'm bringing joy where there's been sorrow and I'm bringing peace where there's been torment and I'm bringing life where they said there is no life. He said, get ready because it's coming. Put your faith in me, put your trust in me and don't waver because it's coming. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I lift up each and every person that's here right now that maybe has a giant, that maybe has a battle, that has a situation that they just didn't want to come forward, Lord, but you know their need. You know their heart. You know their desire. And Lord, I thank you right now that you're moving in their life. I thank you that as they leave this place today, they'll feel your presence like never before. I thank you as they leave this peace, this place, they'll walk in peace like they haven't felt in years. Lord, I thank you they'll walk in the joy that only comes from you. I thank you they'll walk in the truth of who they are and they'll shake off the lies of the past and they'll shake off the labels of the past and they'll begin to walk in the truth and the reality of who they are. They're a child of the King. I want you to hear that today in your life. You're a child of the King. Say it if you need to say it. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. Why is that so important? Because if you study history, the child of the King was never in lack. Child of a King was never in want. Child of the King had the best of the best that they needed. 
You're the son and daughter of the king. There's no reason to walk in lack anymore, but walk in the fullness of the promise of God. Lord, I thank you and praise you in advance for what you're going to do in this place, in the lives that are here today. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. And I think you have questions for me. Praise the Lord. So we'll get ready for that. We'll meet here in a few minutes. And I hope they're all multiple choice. Praise the Lord. <laughs>